0: Welcome to another episode of Consider This. This is Steve Broadway having the privilege of moderating is the wrong word uh, because it's just me and Justin Ebert today. So I'm hosting. Let's call me the host today. We are going to do a deep dive into 2 Samuel 7. It's less obscure than you might think. It is the Davidic covenant and all that goes with it. So we hope you find this inspiring and enjoyable. Mr. Ebert.
1: Blessings to you, sir. Blessings
0: right back at you. I ditto that. I am glad to be here with you this morning. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I have a question, which is completely off topic, but hopefully a little bit fun. You have become quite the pit master at this stage of life. Now, something people close to me know, but many, most don't, is I have barbecue in my bloodline. You know this. I know this. (laughs) My cousin, Debbie, who I have not seen, gosh, in decades, I really haven't seen her in a very long time has a son named Aaron his last name happens to be Franklin
1: the master not a Aaron, master Aaron, he is the master Aaron
0: Franklin is my first cousin once removed I've never met Aaron I am planning to make the pilgrimage to Austin someday and sit at the picnic table out back reserved for family and dignity I guess I don't know who's reserved for dignitaries I'm told, that, I'm told family gets to cut the line go to the back <laughs> and he like brings you everything he makes and so my dad and I want to go do that someday. Yeah. Uh, so, man, we can appreciate good barbecue. But you have been smoking some awesome meat in this portion of your life, this phase of life, uh, and the church has benefited from it. You've done it for big church gatherings, you know, pulled pork, just incredible stuff. I'm curious, what triggered this, uh-huh. this quest? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a quest, man. It's like playing guitar. It never ends. There's always something yeah. to learn. Yeah. And And the second part of that question is, What's next for you? Like, what is the next thing you want to mm. learn or do or perfect? Mm. So what, what led you to this amazing skill you've
1: developed? It's interesting. Cause I didn't go into it like trying to acquire a new skill, you know, but now that you say it like that, like, oh yeah, there was a time I didn't have the ability to do that and I have not mastered it, but I've gotten proficient at it. Right. I think so. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call like, you know, it's like, I, think I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm a, a chef, there's like a master chef can okay. take food and make a meal, you know? I, I feel like I can take recipes and make them my own. So you're a
0: pit grasshopper. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah, master. yeah. I
1: feel like I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> I feel like I've got a lot to learn. Um, honestly, covid Okay. Covid, okay. Covid is what started this. So Covid started so many. Things. I know, I know. So when I was a kid, I liked going hunting with my grandpa and my dad, and so I've always enjoyed doing that. Just didn't have time, kind of in my middle years, and then Covid happened. Is like, well, I can't be inside anymore, or I'm going to go crazy. So I'm going to go outside. So started hunting a lot with Kyle and Ryan, and my thought was, man, if I'm going to spend all the time outside hunting animals, I've got to be able to cook it in a way that my family will
0: yeah. enjoy it right. so
1: that they're not just they're frustrated going <laughs> every time yeah. I go out. You know, when I come back, it's like, oh, cool. Dad's going to cook some yeah, good. So that. that led me to getting a smoker. My first smoker was a Webby, Weber Smokey Mountain, and it's just kind of this little bullet smoker. And so yeah. I learned, kind of cut my teeth on that. It was all a right. great first smoker and then started getting introduced to offset smokers and to kind of all the different options there were out there. Uh, the church... Uh, Brother Franklin, oh not your Franklin, <laughs> No, this, different is a, Franklin. this is a different Franklin, <laughs> is a welder at our church and built this amazing offset smoker many years ago. That would be like a
0: $30,000 smoker or something. At right? least. It's incredible. A custom bill, all it's of our incredible. logos
1: on it, yeah. all these cool designs on it. And I started cooking on that a little bit. And... Yeah. We've done, we've cooked for over 500 people on that thing. And, um, yeah, it it has been a fun journey and you know, what's next. I've thought about ways to use that skill that I've acquired to help like raise money for mission trips and stuff like that. You know, you guys do the Richmond road band thing and it works great. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. To help fund your, your guys' service in Poland. I feel like that'd be something I could do that people, you know, would, pay money to eat food that they like. That's what we do all the time anyway, right? And might be able to kind of manage that into a lot of the mission trips that I'm going to be leading now (laughs) in my new role at the church. Yes, you are
0: the newly minted outreach and missions uh, minister.
1: The meat ministry is not an official title, but it has been dubbed a few (laughs) times. I look forward to it. Yes. I will pay
0: money for that. Oh, so many other questions, but uh, I think we'd best get to the topic, (laughs) because we could talk ad infinitum about... So many fun things. Um, So you, I I hesitate to even call it pinch hit. Uh, Man, you did a great job. Uh, On fairly short notice, you signed up to preach Sunday. And and we're, as you know, we're going, as you well know, we're going through the story of the Bible. Um, And so it was the, it was 2 Samuel 7. And I think if you ask the average Christian, like what are the major texts in the Old Testament? The average Christian probably wouldn't think Hmm. of second Samuel seven hmm. I at least I don't think so hmm. I'm speculating but wow it turns out to be a really key thing so uh, as we do the deep dive into that um, it's really helpful to know kind of the original context and, and all mm-hmm. that um, yeah give us that kind of set the stage for um, this, this all happening yeah
1: yeah yeah. so you know long long time ago when god made adam and eve one of some of the things that he told them to do were to to rule over the other created things to subdue to have some level of authority take his authority and and be his representatives his rulers his little rulers on the earth right and so we kind of see that theme there in genesis three fifteen, we see this promise of an offspring of eve going to come and s- smash the head of this snake to abraham he makes and to sarah actually at the point in which he God is going to change their name to, to from Abram to Abraham from Sarai to Sarah he promises that kings will come from your mm-hmm. line he says the same thing to Jacob kings will come from you then he says to Judah kings will come for you you're, you're going to the the ruling will never leave your line and so we have all these hints of some kind of authority some kind of leadership some kind of kings coming from these lines. And then in that vein, we have 2 Samuel 7. And so, you know, Samuel is the story of the transition of leadership from the judges Mm -hmm. to the kings, and Samuel's own sons aren't fit to lead, uh, which makes sense that they would want some kind of other leaders other than his sons. But the big jump that the Israelites make is they look around at the other nations and say, we want to be like them which is the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do, right? They were, to <laughs> yep. apart, they were supposed to be set apart. They were supposed to be holy, unique. Yep. And God was going to be the one that was leading because that's what he's done. He's gone before them. He's fought for them. He's judged over them. Um, and he's always provided the you know human leaders necessary to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But instead of trusting God, instead of... Um, walking in faithfulness to him as their ruler, as their king, they look around the other nations, we want someone like them. And so God kind of, I don't know, there's humor in the Bible. I think God gives them over to what they want and says, okay, you want a king? You go pick yourself a king. And they look around and they see this really tall guy who looks like he could beat up some Philistines and they choose him. And at his coronation, they, they, they're ready to announce him and he's hiding. I don't know if he knew that part, but he's hiding in fear. I vaguely or, remember. Yeah. Yes. yeah, he's hiding, and they have to go ask the Lord, like, "Where is this guy?" You know, and he <laughs> they finally they he's hiding in the supplies, and they get him. Um, turns out he he's not a man after God's own heart. Right. He's he continually rejects uh, the commands of God, the clear expectations of God. God removes his blessing from him and says, "I'm going to establish my kingdom through someone who is a man after my own heart." And then in comes the son of Jesse the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, okay, the great grandson of a lady named Ruth, who we had just Moabite, read about. Yeah, a right? Moabite woman um, who had just come in the, in the book before. And he's the youngest son of Jesse. He's just a shepherd boy. Uh, and so God's trying to say, don't look at outward appearance. I mm-hmm. look at the heart. Mm-hmm. And this is a man who is, is after me, who represents me pretty well. And what we see from David in his life is that he's not perfect, he he sheds blood. He commits adultery. He assassinates slash murders I mean, someone. Big,
0: he pretty pretty big mess. Yeah, yeah. He even all the, you know mistakes
1: he, he made were huge. Exactly. He does this census where he kind of tries to see how powerful he is, how secure he is when God kind of asks him not to. Mm-hmm. So there's all these moments in which he does make mistakes, but he's repentant. You know, psalm 51 shows yep. that david is somebody who does repent he does recognize when he's made the mistakes and so in that sense uh, david is a good example but not a perfect king and yet uh, david becomes this one through whom god makes this big promise that i'm going to establish an eternal house for you an eternal kingdom for you an eternal throne for you and so we read in second samuel chapter 7 after David has you know, been anointed as the king, and that word anointed is important because it's Mashiach, Mashiach uh, uh, yeah. Messiah anointed one or an anointing, yeah. um, and that word Messiah becomes the word Christ in Greek, and so those those are big terms mm. for us to know, to remember. And after he's finally anointed as king over all of Israel, he has peace on all his borders, he has this palace made for him in Jerusalem, the city of David, Zion, and he's looking around and he thinks, man... How, how do I get to live in this awesome palace, this awesome place? And God in his ark, the place he's chosen to dwell, is living in a tent. How is that okay? And so he decides, like, hey, I, I want to build a, t- a, temple, a house for God. And Nathan, the prophet's like, you know what? The Lord's with you. Go for it. That seems like a, a good thing, not a bad thing. But then that night, God says no. And the reason he says no is because there's blood on David's hands. He says, I'm going to do that through somebody from your body. And so he, the, the promise there is fulfilled in Solomon. Solomon's going to be the one that builds a temple. But there's these other promises. A son born of adultery. Yes, yes. There's these, <laughs> wow. there's these other promises that come in the text. Like, this is going to be a place where you'll be planted, not disturbed. Well, you'll experience this, this rest, this unique, eternal rest from God. Those weren't things that were fulfilled in Solomon or any of the other worldly kings. And so part of this promise, yes, was fulfilled in Solomon. Some of it was not, and it's still we're still waiting for that. So that's going to be kind of a really important thing. That's probably why they were so excited about it, because when the Israelites heard this, they thought, a king who's going to give us complete rest and no more oppression from outside forces. So a, a Jew in the first century who's leading.
0: Great setup for my next question, Yeah, and that is that that, uh, how do we know when a prophecy is ultimately about Jesus or it's about someone or something else? Because Mm -hmm. there are these basic principles we apply when we go to the text, uh, author's intended meaning, right? What was the author trying to say to the audience that he was writing to, and how would they have understood Mm -hmm. it? Because there's no way they could have known Mm -hmm. about it. Jesus mm-hmm. specifically, you know, five hundred to a thousand years or fifteen hundred years before uh, some of these texts. So, but we come to it and we say, yeah, but there was this was a uh, this was about a mm-hmm. far future thing that was going to happen. So, how do we discern? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prophecies and uh, you know, sort of the meaning behind the meaning.
1: That's a really important question because if we don't ask some of those questions, we we try to make the text say what we want it to say. And so to take that principle too far where we do believe, okay, cat's out of the bag, we do believe this ultimately is pointing to Jesus, yep. to then, you know, go further and say, we are, well, we're going to find Jesus under every rock of the Old Testament. You know, some of the, some of the early church fathers used what was called allegorical interpretation mm-hmm. to do some of that. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily or inherently wrong, but... It maybe is a stretch at times. Maybe not the best way to tr- understand Scripture. Be, it, the, it is a pretty inappropriate way to handle Scripture to say, like, what does this mean to me? Before asking, "What is this? what did this mean— from the author's intent? What did this, how did the audience hear this? And so...
0: You mean I know the plans I have for you and yeah. plans for good... I can't make that my yeah. life verse? Yeah. Well, oh.
1: You can, as oh, long as you go. know that I'm the weaving. fact that they were leading being led into exile. <laughs> <laughs> and it was 70 years yeah, later would yeah. all come true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so, you know, when you look at some of what we would say are the, the prophecies of the Old Testament, how, how do we know what's fulfilled by... The immediate context there and mm-hmm. what is to come. Well, two ways I think. Number one, there's a little bit of the self-evidence in the text that we see. So in Second Samuel seven, what God promises to David is stuff that is directly fulfilled by Solomon. We see that in both the Psalms and in Second Chronicles, um, or in in the Chronicles. And so it just it spells out Solomon's going to be the one that builds this temple. But then some of those other promises of God don't aren't fulfilled in Solomon. okay, mm. the not being disturbed, the being planted, so you can't be planted when you're shipped off to exile. Right. You can't be not disturbed whenever other foreign invaders like the Syrians and the Babylonians are going to come and wreck your city. okay, You're not experiencing rest, okay? That's unrest.
0: <laughs> so cl- so clearly, those prophecies were not fulfilled within that time frame, and yet we believe they're true, right? We don't give up on the fact that the
1: prophecies right, are real and right, they'll be fulfilled, right? right? So that's—so again, so let's say, how do how did the Israelites hear this? Mm-hmm. You know, in the time, yes, they're probably thinking Solomon, and Solomon does fulfill part of it. But then, as, as the revelation of God, the plan of God unfolds in real time, they're starting to see, like, wait, but God promised this rest and this place— and we're not experiencing this rest in this place. So they really attach to this promise because they know some point God's going to make good on his promises because he always does. Right. He always makes good on his promises. And so He, the, the reason this is such an attractive text is the Syrians are in charge and we know this isn't right. The Babylonians are in charge, and we know this isn't right. The Romans are in charge, and we know this isn't right. Mm-hmm. God is going to send a king, an anointed one, a Messiah, a Christ, and he's going to deliver us. And that is why this becomes so attractive. And that king, that Messiah, is going to usher in his kingdom. And that kingdom is going to place be a place of rest. And so the Jew, you know, again, it's it's a little dangerous to say every Jew thought the same way about every text, because sure. that's not true. Sure, There's not sure. this, like, monolithic singular understanding. But it does seem, as we read intertestamental literature, as we read the literature of the New Testament, and, you know, people like Josephus from outside of the scriptures, there was a general thought. Everyone had a thought of the Messiah. Even if they didn't agree, everyone had a thought and knew what those general expectations may have been. Well,
0: and when Jesus came on the scene, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it seems like there was an expectation of those who were following him that this would be a overthrow the Romans kind of a thing. Yes. Right?
1: Again and so but that you can see how they got there. Yes. Right. Well God said he's gonna send. An anointed, who's going to come and give us this rest in this place, mm-hmm. and so Romans can't be in charge if that's going to happen. Which now leads us to why the Jesus was so confusing to them. Yeah. He didn't come to do do exact do exactly how they thought it was going to be done and when it was going to be done. Because the fact is, Jesus comes and he says, "I'm going to preach the good." And this is how Mark starts his gospel. I'm going to preach the good news of God. The kingdom has come near to you. Repent and believe the good news.
0: Man, you're just setting me up with with softballs here because my next question is about the kingdom. Mm. The kingdom of God, I think, is not well understood. I don't know how well taught Mm. it's been Mm -hmm. uh, in the church at large. Um, You know, I think a lot of us think that's something that's going to come. Uh but parts of it are here now. There's kind of this mm. idea of the now and not yet, you know, there's a tension yes. between some things are kind of here and like the holy spirit's come and we have some of that. But man, clearly things are still badly broken. Uh it's not completely fulfilled. So man, are we are we living in the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Are we is it some future thing? Yep. How do we how should we properly think about the kingdom of God as we're living now? Mm-hmm. And what would be the proper expectations, I guess? I don't know.
1: So w- we let we let the the Word of God speak on its own terms <clears throat> to the very best of our ability. So the other—going back to our last thing—the other way we can know that Second Samuel 7 isn't just about Solomon, but find its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, is because the Bible actually tells us. The reason Matthew— Looking won- back yeah. from, the, from the Gospels. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, let Scripture help interpret Scripture. Right. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Who is this? This is Jesus Christ, which means anointed, which is the Greek for the Messiah. And then who is he is the son of? The son of? Son of David. Son of David. Okay. That's a very, like Matthew's trying to make very clear this is him and son of Abraham. And then he goes through this genealogy, which, you know, forgive me, Lord, for skipping that for so many years, to tell this story of this lineage, that this is the one, this, the son of Adam and Eve. He's the one of, son of Abraham and Sarah. He's the son of Jacob. He's the son of Judah. He's the son of Ruth and Boaz and of Jesse. And he's the one who has come in David's line to fulfill all these promises God has made in the past.
0: And genealogy is a huge thing for mm-hmm. Jewish people. It's mm-hmm. how you prove, right, that you're right. actually a Jew, etc. Right. So it's, right. I don't know that we, com- we can't quite comprehend that as right. non-Jews, but and And it's big.
1: he ends that genealogy saying, this is the timeline the the heritage of the Messiah, mm-hmm. and Luke, when the angel comes to Mary, he makes very clear this is the one to to take up David's throne. This is him, the prince of peace, mighty counsel this is. Him, the one we've been waiting for, the one that's promised. Mark does the exact same thing, starts off with this is Jesus, the Christ, the Son. Um, And so all all the gospel writers are trying to take us back to these old promises. And so now we ask the question of, so did Jesus bring the kingdom of God or not? If he's this king, did he bring the kingdom of God or not? Or is this just something he's going to do later? And you already kind of said it, and my, my understanding is... The answer is yes.
0: <laughs> yes and yeah. yes. But yes it's, to both.
1: It's yeah. it's it is a bit of the already and not yet. Yeah, I here's I think one of the best most helpful things I learned as I was studying the the concept of baptism a couple of years ago. Uh, why did Jesus get baptized? You know the answer to that. He's
0: already perfect. Well, to fulfill all prophecy. Okay, that's said. the scripture verse, yeah, yeah. right?
1: So what does that mean? <laughs>
0: I think I'm supposed to do this, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. People kind of don't
1: know because we know it's not for the repentance of sins. Right, right, right. We know it's not because he needed to somehow like be forgiven by God for something. So what was it? I think what's happening there is a uh, a coronation.
0: Ah. Yeah.
1: So in the same way that these kings um, or priests or sometimes a prophet in the Old Testament would be anointed by oil mm-hmm. to kind of start Pour formally their, their, their yep. ministry, yep. I think what's happening there is a formal, hey, the ministry is starting, the, the, the preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God is starting, and, and this is my son, this is the king, okay? And then the Spirit comes, and it's like he's anointed. The water's coming, and it's like he's anointed, to start his ministry, he's he's proclaimed as king. It is the and advent s- of his public ministry. Yes, right? yeah. yes. So, yeah. so I do think at the point in which Jesus incarnated, and then more obviously at his baptism, is kind of this inauguration of the kingdom of God. That's what I. Th- that's that's why I think he was baptized. The fulfill all righteousness is yes. This is the one who's coming to fulfill all these Old Testament promises, and so. This question of the kingdom becomes really important. So it, in what way then did Jesus start the kingdom? Well, he, he started it in, in a way where we actually now can live as his servants, as his soldiers, because he's given us his power. Mm-hmm. So no longer are we slaves to our sin or slaves to the devil or slaves to the world. We've been ourselves. Yeah, we've been, or our flesh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. We've been set free from that. The, yeah. the power of God, the same God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit, now lives in you. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually start living in light of Matthew 5 through 7, this Sermon on the Mount, kind of this new new giving of the law, new understanding of the fulfilled version of the law that Jesus gives. You can actually live that way you're no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to sin. So that's why James says uh, we sin because we it, ultimately, like, we desire that still. And we need our desires to be transformed, to mm-hmm. be conformed, to be reshaped so that our desires line up with God's desires. And our thoughts, Romans twelve one, our minds metanoid, repented, mm-hmm. changed so that our thoughts submit to the Word of God. And that's this thing we call sanctification. And so... You can think of the kingdom, I think, in the same way you think about your own testimony. There was a start. There was a middle part where you grew, and there will be a completion. There was a start when Jesus came and when Jesus was anointed, set apart for his work of ministry. And it's going—it can expand. You know, the gospel the kingdom is spreading throughout the world uh, through the gospel. You and saw through, it in Ghana through, recently. Yeah, through hearts, yeah. you know. Yeah. And where where there are Christians, where there are spirit dwellers, the temple of God is there. The mm-hmm. spirit of God is there. The, the reign of God is taking over. Um, now, does that mean, you know, at some point we're finally going to figure it all out and the kingdom will—we uh, will instill the perfect kingdom of God, there'll be no more sin? No, I think— the, the the final piece of this is when Jesus returns. So right now we believe that Jesus is ascended um, and he's sitting at the right hand of God where he's ruling and waiting for the Father to tell him to come back. Mm-hmm. And that point in which he comes back is the point in which it'll all be finalized. Heaven there will earth meet, yes. right?
0: There's a new heaven and a new earth. And yeah, yeah. Resurrection it's, of the dead. And it's,
1: it's like, there's a question as to, do we mean new as in like it'll be over there or is it renewed? I think that maybe like a... Uh, a little bit of, like, refined by fire and perfected. And so there was this separation of the spiritual and the physical. That'll be reunited mm-hmm. perfectly, mm-hmm. both in this place and in us, in this eternal place where we will be planted, where there will be no disruption, and where will we will experience the eternal rest because we are in God's presence.
0: If you haven't read the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. At least read the first half. You yeah. don't have to do all the speculation in the second half, but mm-hmm. it's a very clear... It, it made me really look forward to it so much more because we're not just ethereal beings floating mm-hmm. around in something. We're living on a renewed earth. We have work to do. We have relationships. We, you know, There's ruling and reigning and meaningful mm-hmm. things. I mean, we have such an incredible promise in the Bible of what's to come yeah. when the kingdom is finally fulfilled and Jesus right. comes back.
1: So think about, you know, with with... The question of... So you say the kingdom started with Jesus, but there's still sin in the world. Yeah. So he has dealt with the power of sin. We are no longer under the power of sin if the Spirit of God lives in us. But the presence of sin remains. There will come a day when Jesus the King returns, and he will put away sin forever. Mm-hmm. He will put away death forever. And that will be when we experience the perfect, completed, eternal rest and place of God.
0: I love the idea of relationships with my friends where sin never rises up. We're perfectly innocent and capable of Yeah, sinless relationships. It's gonna be amazing. Mm. Well I have one more one more question to ask, and that is as we think about Second Samuel 7 today. Uh, how do you think the church should respond to a text mm, like that? Like, what mm. do we do with it?
1: Yeah. Um, one of one of my friends, uh, I get this, does, hasn't enjoyed this series as much as some series because it can, you know, in their mind, it's a little kind of out there and too broad, and there's a little difficulty of connecting that to my work and my house and my— marriage. And it's I,
0: maybe not high application like to say, right? right like, this right, is all right. about what and, you're Right. And going so to I do. can I can totally yeah. understand that.
1: Yeah. Um you know, part of what I think we have to realize is that sometimes when we hear a truth of God, it's then the work of us and the work of the spirit in us to help us see what that means. So, when we read 2nd Samuel 7 and we realize it's fulfillment in Christ. That's funny. In Jesus. Christ <laughs> isn't a name. He is the Christ. So every time you hear Jesus Christ, don't think Justin Ebert. Think uh, Jesus, who is the Christ, the Messiah. Messiah. Uh, One of the things that 2 Samuel shows us is that we have a God who makes promises and then makes good on those promises. And therefore, we have a God we can trust. So when you're going through something where you see the chaos of sin reigning, where you see the brokenness, where you see death and disease and decay and pain and heartache, all those things, when you're experiencing that either in a relationship with your kid or at work or you know at a funeral or on the news, you're able to see through that and over that and past that. If, if you really trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that the promises of God are real, that the eternal rest is something that you're going to experience, then you can see through those moments ahead to something that is to come. Hmm. That means you have a hope and a peace and a joy which transcends all understanding and all circumstances. That's, I mean, so in some ways, I I don't know how you can get any more encouraging than this fact. So you can trust a God who makes promises and makes good on those promises. Um, You know, what does it mean to have Jesus as king? It doesn't just mean out there, it might mean in you. Here and now. So where are areas in your life where you are king or when you've made someone else your king? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you really need to process that information because Jesus needs and wants and requires all of you. All of you. And so (laughs) submitting to Jesus as king is a pretty big deal. It's the free gift that will cost you everything. Yes, yes. Allegiance to the King Jesus is not just having praying a prayer one time when you were eight or uh, yeah. some kind of acquisition of knowledge and it doesn't change it is, that is not the biblical narrative. that is not the biblical narrative. Um, the other cool thing is that you know I talked about this you know Sunday. Second Samuel 7 and tracing that theme from beginning to end just shows me how intentional God is by inspiring the scriptures. Mm-hmm through his spirit and through human authors, that th- these are all different 66 books that come together as one cohesive, united story that leads to Jesus it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. Amazing. And when you start really seeing those amazing. connections, maybe you've seen this graph where it's like each book of the Bible kind of on this horizontal plane, yes, and, it's got all the and it shows all these lines. Has, I connecting just each just saw book.
0: It two days ago for the first time. Oh,
1: and when it's you incredible. don't just see it on the graph, but you begin to see it through the words and you understand it in your heart, it just becomes so powerful, and you begin to really understand what Paul says, that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's living, and it's active. And it. reading 2 Samuel 7 and seeing its connections to the rest of the Bible does that for me.
0: Man, I think we have appropriately titled uh, the podcast we've been doing recently, A Deep Dive. This was a deep dive. The beauty and the joy and the, the holisticness of all of it is just incredible, just mm. incredible. Mm. Uh, any, any last thoughts you want to add before we
1: no, close the No, no. I mean, as always, if you guys have um, any thoughts, questions, feedback, yeah, we'd love yeah. to hear it. So reach out to us.
0: So one last thing: I bought my first smoker. Mm. I'm going to bring this down to What'd you very buy? mundane. What'd I bought a buy? Pit Boss, okay, eight fifty okay. Pro, old pellet grill, old pellet it smoker. Was, it was pre-assembled and delivered immaculately, mm-hmm. but not a conception. And uh, I have smoked things on it. Mm-hmm. I am not even a grasshopper yet, mm. uh, but I am I'm enjoying the fruit of my labors. Yes. It's kind of cheating because it's super easy.
1: But, it's a great uh, intro.
0: I, it's a great intro, Smoker. So thank you, Pit Boss, for that. Yes, way to go, Pit thank Boss. Thank you all for listening. Uh, man, we hope you love the scriptures and love Jesus and that this helps you do it more.
1: Uh, take care.